welcome to She Rocks Global. Today we're back in the American Corner, Cape Town, and so happy to have Leslie Waterkind with us. For me, Leslie is actually my mentor, a friend, but also an entrepreneur whom I admire here in Cape Town. And so it's such a pleasure to be able to introduce her to our audience. And of course, I'm with Zoya. Maka is at the controls and taking our photographs. And of course, we've got our dear friend, T-Cry, who's managing all of the controls and making sure we sound good. So, Liz, thank you for being with us today. Hi. Also, <laughs> so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I always love doing things for you. And you're such an inspiration straight back at you girl. I think we all inspire each other and that's the point I think of the She Rocks community which is that in all of our activities and all of our actions we actually inspire each other and can learn from each other and don't have to be a certain type of superhero in order to be inspiring or inspired and so exactly yeah so perhaps for ourselves and for the audience and even maybe for me please tell us about yourself and let's take it from there. Okay. So I started my business 21 years ago. I'm married with three boys and I have a stepdaughter as well who um, now lives in Amsterdam. Um, I think one of the things that I just want to say right up front is, um, you know, having a business and running a business for so long as I have for 21 years, it definitely isn't something that I could have done on my own. Oh. And I think that it is so important to make sure that you do surround yourself with those people that, as you say, inspire you and help you and are in your core. So one of the things that has been so amazing for me is my husband um, has just been a huge part of my journey. And so much so is that when I had my twins um, 15 years ago, um, he actually gave up his work so that oh, he wow. could become a house husband so that I could really go out and fulfill my dream of, of, you know, scaling my business and really growing. And I really don't think that I would have been able to do that had it not been, been for my selfless husband who really... Mm -hmm. um, gave up his career so that I could um but you know you have played my... like a team. Oh absolutely. <laughs> and you know, and having twins as well, it was so important that exactly. he was, you know, such a huge help that he was. So yeah, I owe a lot to him. And as I say, you know, without those people in your corner, it, it was like that discussion, him or you know, you or me, you oh. know, who's got the most potential to really go out there. But we didn't want to make the same mistakes that we'd made with our first children. His daughter was at boarding school by the time she was six because he had a career mm -hmm. and his ex-wife had a career. My child was in, you know, um, at a, a babysitter or my mom from a very early age. So we also felt that they missed out on that oh. sort of parenthood and having us around. So when we were so fortunate and so lucky to have our twins, we just thought, you know, we really want to give them one of us. And, you know, he just said, Liz, you've just got more potential at that stage of my career. So it was amazing. So, yeah. Um, that, as, that's as, uh, really good to hear. And I love it how basically the question... Uh, which was uh, tell us something about yourself turned out to be <laughs> actually that that's also important how that shaped you to becoming yourself today and everything you do but i think we should explore that uh, topic a little bit more did you uh, was that a difficult conversation between you and your husband because i think a lot of women um usually when when they have discussions especially when both uh, parents have careers uh, is that the women are the ones who usually uh, put a pause on their careers. So maybe for a lot of women who are listening and for ourselves uh, as well, maybe you can give out some advice and what were the 
issues that you now see from that decision and apart from all the good things you mentioned? No, absolutely. And it's such a great question because um, it was very hard for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he was older than me and he had had a very successful career. So being 10 years older than me, he felt, and, and he was nearly 50 when um, the twins were born, and he just felt that, you know, he'd kind of been there and done that. Okay. But I think what seemed like, you know, something a little bit, you know, like I'll give up my career and look after my children. I think it was very hard for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think his ego took quite a, um, you know, quite a sort of bashing. And I think it took him a long time to really own that house husband badge, as it were. And, you know, we'd go to parties and we'd be invited out and, you know, people would say, what do you do? And in the very beginning, he was not owning it. And he was like, oh, and I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And he didn't really say, I'm a house husband. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very hard for him. And it took him a long time to actually say, yes, this is what I do. I look after my children. Because I think he felt that people would judge him. About owning, you know, the different, I guess, labels, um, were you able to own the fact that he was a house husband and were you able to own the fact that you were now were the primary breadwinner and what did that feel like in the beginning and in the middle and where are we now? So, um, yo, once again, I, I actually was extremely proud of him and I, you know, I was very proud of him for, for giving that up and, you know, and, but I think, I was sensitive to his, you know, male ego and, mm-hmm. and the fragility that I felt, you oh. know, that he felt around that. So I was cautious to, you know, not sort of, you know, shout from the rooftop, say, you know, look at me, I'm married to a house husband. Um, I always teased him. I was going to write a book uh, about him and, and his, <laughs> my husband's name is Mark and I was going to call it make your mark. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm still going to do that. But, um, you know, and, and just, 10 years ago, my children are 15 now, 15 years ago, being a house husband was quite a big deal, you know, so, um, but now we really absolutely comfortable in our space. I mean, he absolutely owns it. I mean, the children are older now, but you know, when people do ask him now, he's like, I'm a house husband. I look after my children. (laughs) But I think it's uh, very interesting. The conversation that just uh, came out of this is that uh, all that we talk about gender equality, uh, women empowerment, we we sometimes tend to forget that there is also a big side uh, of those social expectations that are put upon men. And that sometimes just the fact that we are actually, uh, how to say it, like uh, supporting and we want to grow our businesses, it also means that men have to change their role, not only in business, but more importantly in the society and this is something that for example I often talk with my husband as well it's uh, I feel like that he supports me in a similar way but uh, I feel that uh, there is not a lot of uh, husbands and partners who are doing it without uh, feeling pressured or uh, there are not many teams I think equal teams in current marriages and partnerships mm. and that's something that society has put not only on women but also on men that they're being judged if they take parenting oh. leave from work if they are for example uh, house husbands or anything in between that's something that society still puts a pressure on men or if uh, they earn less than their wives and that we sometimes forget from being overwhelmed with our own problems yes. that we forget that perspective so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up just in terms of, you know, the, um, I never want him to, wanted him to feel less oh, exactly. because I think, you know, financially uh, that always, you know, that was, it, it, 
people, as you say, society, you know, mm-hmm. the man must be the breadwinner and they must. So um, right in the early stages, uh, he was actually part of our payroll. On, on So he earned his own salary <clears throat> and he... Um, I made sure that he never had to ask me for money so mm-hmm. that he didn't feel exactly. that, yeah. you know, less, yeah. So, you know, he earned his own salary. He was, he felt that he could do his own thing. He had his roles and responsibilities. And there's such a great uh, tip actually that Nwabisa um, taught me a, a, a little while ago. <laughs> and I use it in so many parts of my life. And it's called Stay in Your Lane. And it's um, also one of the books that you're going to write. Yes. <laughs> Apart from the thousand meters. But the stay in your lane is is such a fabulous way of ensuring that everybody's roles and responsibilities are clear. And my, you know, <clears throat> so, uh, um, directive for Mark was just make sure that the children are looked after, that, you know, the house is um, taken care of, that the bills are paid, and I'll kind of do the rest. And, you know, if you if you if your roles and responsibilities are clear, exactly. then it, it can actually work extremely well. Oh. Okay, now tell us something about the business. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we get on to the business. So I have had my business for 21 years, and, you know, it has re- been an absolute pleasure, but a real roller coaster. I, I remember driving to work about uh, Actually, I think it was the beginning of this year, you know, thinking, yeah, wow, I've had my business now for 21 wow. years and I still love it as much as I loved it in the early days. And, you know, the, the, the struggles are still there and it never becomes easy because I think you always naturally we always want more we just want to you know we want other people to now be successful you know we we rise by lifting others so now it's not so much about our own success but how can we now instill you know those successful qualities and see our staff grow and really you know rise to the occasion as it were earlier this year I stepped down as CEO and um my uh, Janine, who's been in uh, CWDR for, for 14 years, it was time for her to step up. She'd really shown um, that she was ready. She'd shown that she had the experience. And I needed to get out of her way because had I stayed, not only am I now robbing her of the opportunity to learn and grow, I'm now doing something that's coming naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So being an EO member, one of our values is to continuously learn and grow. And I think that, you know, in life, if something is coming easy to you, it's time for you to set yourself a new oh. challenge. So I call myself the CXO now. <laughs> so now I'm in charge of growth. And I really want us to go global. So, wow. you know, Good. while you're running a business, we recently merged with Johannesburg. So I knew that I couldn't scale without Joburg, first of all. And now that we've done that once, I really wanting to um, establish a global presence. So that's my new role. And I'm really, really excited about that. But that's uh, really amazing because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of letting go. Oh. And also, uh, there is, uh, we talk a lot about with other entrepreneurs about this succession plan, how you should know when to have great yeah. people. And it seems, and uh, sometimes those people leave also, the ones who might be right to succeed. Uh, for example, you as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, because we don't let go on time. So it seems like you did it perfectly. <laughs> <You're>, I, <laughs> but it's not an easy decision. Of course. It oh. really isn't. And, yes, and you talk about control, you know, and I still see it as you know, one of my babies, Mm. but 
the end of this year, we decided to do something quite different. Instead of doing KPIs and, you know, rating each other, we actually decided to write a letter to each other in our executive team. And one of the very strong messages that came through from my other executives, my financial manager, my um, head of events in Johannesburg, my partner, was very much, now that you've given Janine the job, you have to get out of her way. Oh, you've wow. really got to. And once again, that Lane's document yeah. <laughs> comes into, you know, comes into action because it's like, okay, you've got to be very specific. That is my expectation of you. Those are your roles and responsibilities. And I'm going to now stick to this new, um, this new role in, in growing the business. So I think those kind of things also have to be very clear. Mm. So I think going back to, so I love this idea of making way for others. Um, especially because just a few years ago, we all got quite excited about this idea of leaning in. And I've actually struggled with the concept of leaning in because I'm like, I don't think it's for me to lean in as opposed to those who've come before me to make way. Um, and so that's, that's my take on it. And so maybe to go back to even the introduction, I met you as a mentor and, um, you have lived for me this idea of making way for people in terms of shining the light, opening the door, and then kind of saying, step in. And so I'd love for you maybe to share with us again in terms of what are your thoughts around mentoring and are you mentored and how you how do you approach mentoring? Um, I say this, I ask this question in the context of I'm really exploring this idea that some of the best mentors are also mentors who actually are mentored and there's this theory of change that actually if you have four levels of mentoring happening in the same vertical, that's when you've got a great mentoring ecosystem. So I'm also wondering if you have any thoughts around that. So that's a huge bunch of words that I've thrown there, no. but it comes down to mentoring. Absolutely. I think it is absolutely imperative and vital. I found myself 10 years into my business, um, having bought my partner out and very much feeling lonely and, you know, kind of at a loss. And, you know, I, I had a lifestyle business and, you know, where was I going to take this? Was I going to take my business seriously or was I really going to, you know, grow it and, and do something that hopefully makes an impact in, in other people's lives as well? So that's when I joined EO. Mm -hmm. And EO is an entrepreneur organization that I'm sure many of your listeners hopefully has heard of. It's got 13,000 members globally. Um with chapters all over the world. And I must say that was a pivotal moment for me in terms of surrounding yourself with like-minded people that were having similar struggles to you. When my mother very sadly died um, almost 15 years ago now, I felt like my safety net had you know, been taken away mm -hmm. from me. And I searched for something that, that would you know, feel that that void was now fulfilled. And um, enter EO. And EO really came as a, an amazing safety net for me. So I've been in EO for 10 years now. I've been very fortunate to um, travel the world with them and meet some unbelievable entrepreneurs. And EO has an accelerator program. So I am a mentor to some of the accelerators. I do have mentors in my EO mm -hmm. community, but also my recent partner, um, 
in my social enterprise called Over the Rainbow is a lady by the Dawn, name of Dawn Nathan Jones. She was actually on Shark Tank here in South Africa. And I feel that she's a bit of a mentor to me. And so I think that ecosystem that you speak of, these four levels, and I, you get value whether you're being mentored or whether you are actually mentoring. So, you know, even if you feel you don't have the experience or that you're at a level that you're just starting your business, you are still capable of sharing some of those lessons to somebody that's possibly just starting out. Mm -hmm. So I feel that, you know, from the from above and, you know, mentoring other people from below is absolutely hugely important in one's growth and how to, oh. you know, learn and grow through your life. I love uh, what you are saying now because sometimes uh, people who are mentors to others are then feel like they are not in a way allowed to seek for mentorship further because then you should be already should know uh, it. <laughs> you know everything. That's why you're helping somebody else. And I think it's very important what you are just stressing out here that you might be able to help somebody, but also you need help on some other levels and that we never basically because now I look at you and you're an amazing uh, successful entrepreneur and then also you admitting that you still don't know it all I think it's very important for all of us to hear absolutely mm. I think that you know one of the values again of EO is that continuous learning and we can never stop learning yeah. you know and it's yeah. got to be that thirst for learning and to invest in ourselves to learn and grow and you know podcasts like these and I salute you girls to you know, because this is how we learn and grow and listening to podcasts I do it myself <laughs> so and it's just becoming such a great trend and uh, you know and I wish you massive success with this but you know to always be using time in your car I Uber around now so I've got that time in the car to listen to podcasts to be inspired to actually just continually be investing in yourself and I oh. think that that's got to be something that's massively important to any entrepreneur or any business person. So I'm going to ask maybe a slightly disjointed question, but it's just there. What frightens you? Fear of failure, you know, at any stage. And, you know, because I am the breadwinner, because I don't want to disappoint my husband and my children. And it is that constant, you know, is this actually going to work out? Are these decisions the right decisions? But at the same time, backing yourself with everything that you've got. But, you know, there's always that little, oh, you know, am I making the right decision? Whether it be, you know, my merger in Joburg and I tried that three or four times and failed. Mm -hmm. You know, I hired the wrong person, failed. Invested in sending somebody from Cape Town, they didn't enjoy Joburg, ended up leaving, failed. Tried again, failed. And then I thought, okay, I, I know that I want that, but now I have to think of a different way of doing oh. it. And then I merged with another company that was already established and hope now we're two years down the line. So, yeah. So you have a new partner. But I have a new partner, <laughs> yes. But, you know, it's always, if, if you really believe in something, go for it. And if it doesn't work out the first time, I, I'm not a, I don't really believe in failure. If you want something badly enough, you just have to Keep trying, but keep trying in different ways to, you know, see how that will materialize but, uh, for you. It's interesting for me when you say fear of failure, okay, we, we all feel it, but how to fight it. So, for example, uh, this example with uh, you moving and expanding to Joburg is interesting one. So, how... What? How did you say, okay, I'm afraid this might fail, but what motivates you to try and to try again and to try again? Like, what were you telling yourself or what was your community? Because that's something that, for at least for me, I'm sure will be useful. I 
absolutely firmly believe that if something is that important to you, if you really want something, and I'll relay a little story about that, but if you really want something badly enough, you will never give up. I wanted to run the New York Marathon. I am not a marathon runner <laughs> at all. But I wanted to do something that was hard. I wanted to do something that was out of my comfort zone. And I wanted to test myself in terms of endurance because, and in terms of just really wanting something badly enough. And I, and I ran a parallel almost with running the marathon and running a business. <laughs> and because you've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning, you've got to be running in the rain. And then because my one rule to myself when I ran the marathon was I don't want to hate it. And in 2012, I trained the whole year to run the New York Marathon. Okay. And I got to New York at the end of that year and Hurricane Sandy hit New York and the marathon wow. was cancelled. And I ke I was <laughs> sobbing. Devastated. Absolutely beyond my – I was inconsolable. I sat in my – my husband came up from the – he'd had the last drink and he came up and he said, um, I'm terribly sorry to tell you, sweetie, we were in New York. He said, the marathon is cancelled. I said, oh, don't be ridiculous. They – after 9-11, they happened. said it's that – It's just a hurricane. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They said that, you know, we, we survived 9-11, we'll survive this, and it will we will carry on. We're New Yorkers. But they just couldn't hold the marathon, and it was cancelled. And my dreams were absolutely shattered. So for five years, I had sort of sat with this monkey on my back, you know, this dream that I just hadn't fulfilled. Now I'm five years older and I've got to start again. So oh. in 2017, I put my tackies back on and I trained again for the whole year. And I'm happy to tell you that I have now run the new Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> But when something is that important to you that you really want to do it, just Never give up. So I think for me, it's a story of that marathon. It's a story of this tenacity and I guess on some level patience, but also feeling the thing you need to feel. So when you didn't make it that first time and you were inconsolable and devastated and I'm sure all of the drama was happening in you and maybe around you, you went with that because I think so many times, uh, or I'll let me speak for myself, whenever I do then fail or maybe disappoint myself, I then convince myself that I need to just pick up, dust off and move on very quickly. Fail, fail fast, recover. Um, I think for me, there's something very interesting around this idea that it took you a full five years at 60 months to actually get back and go back to that dream and then achieve it in on your terms. So I think there's something powerful there as opposed to um, us having to just, you know, pick up and dust yourself off quickly and just keep, go keep it going, you know, keep it moving. It's about timing, you know, and when I ran it for the second time, we were a whole group of us. I felt mm -hmm. so much more supported. You know, they were just, I did things so differently. And, you know, I really surrounded myself with a proper support team. The first time I went, I went on my own. Oh. You know, it was just my husband that was supporting me. The second time I went, there were five of us running together. We awesome. trained together, you know, and it just felt, and for me, it was just like a, a timing thing. It just felt better. And I think I needed it more then than possibly I needed it earlier on in my career and in my life. And and, you know, what I learned both times was such valuable lessons in business and in life. Mm. Uh, one, I, I think we are slowly wrapping it up, but uh, one question which, while I'm listening to you, uh, is do you have any regrets? Like some things that you wish you've done differently that, uh, or at some other point of your life, either in business or life? 
I don't really believe in regrets mm-hmm. because no. I think I've still got time. And everything I, is a lesson. And everything is a lesson. <laughs> but um, no, I don't have any regrets. I do want to have an international business. I do want to open up a CWDI in, a, in an Amsterdam, in a Dubai, in a in a London or, or somewhere in America. So I'm um, that's still on my on my mm-hmm. list of, of to do things. So um, maybe it would have been nice if I'd done it a few years ago. But um, I'm getting there. But no, I, I I really don't have any regrets. I, you know, I have beautiful children. I have an incredible husband who's. Massively supported. I have um, incredible sisters who have both. Um, I've, I'm one of four sisters, and two of them have worked with me in in my various businesses. So no, I feel quite blessed and quite um, quite grateful and lucky. That's very very nice to hear and yeah. very important. Um, okay, let me try. Uh, what would you say that make you rock? Ha. <laughs> I honestly think it is my positivity. I think that, you know, when all else fails, I've always remained positive. I've always backed myself to kind of boldly go and I've stayed positive no matter what the, the, the circumstances and shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but it's how we then pick ourselves up and it's the lessons that we learn from that. Celebrate your wins. Learn from your, you know, your losses, but take the learning on board and then, you know, do better. And and I think my mantra for myself next year is also just be better, you oh. know, and um, be better with the decisions that you make, be better with the people that you meet. And, yeah, I mean, I really want to go into 2020 and this new decade of really inspiring others and, you know, giving hope and, and ensuring that the people that I come into contact with, that I do um, inspire them to be the best version of themselves oh. and to rock. To rock, yes. Keep <laughs> rocking. I think on it's such a beautiful note, this idea of just be better. Whatever your baseline is, just try and be better. It's not about being best. It's not about winning. It's just be better. I really think that's special. <laughs> yeah, just find it next time and be better. Um, so I really, really appreciate that. And thank you so much for spending thank time you. with this us. This was amazing. Thank you. Especially, I'm really happy that... Uh, on the amount how much you talked about the support network in almost every example and I think even your conclusion what makes you positive and how happy you are from uh, about where you are today is also part of that you owning that you are not alone that that your success came as a result of many people in your life and I think it's very important for us to tell that to each other but also to have more both men and women who talk about their successes in that way because we are not alone, not in our failures and not in our successes. So thank you very much for that. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So that's another episode of She Rocks Global coming to you from the American Corner, courtesy of the U.S. Consulate General here in Cape Town. Thank you and listen to our next episode. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gegana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannes Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, 
please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle SheRocksGlobal. Hashtag SheRocks. Until next time, keep rocking.